from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Honoring service and sacrifice. I think the man upstairs watching me had to be. We pay tribute to one of the last surviving World War II veterans in the Dakotas. Florida's orange crop continues to shrink. If it's realized, it's the smallest orange crop since the 1937-1938 season. The impact that could have at the grocery store as a powerful winter storm ushers in a mixed bag of weather. This is a storm system that is going to not only produce snow, freezing rain, and high winds, but in its wake, it's just going to get colder and colder. Team coverage as a winter blast descends on the country right now on Agri. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. A major winter storm is continuing to push across the country and the storm could be with us for days. It's bringing with it several weather hazards, everything from blizzard conditions to blowing dust and severe thunderstorms. Now let's start in the west, getting a big dose of mountain snow. The UC Berkeley Central Sierra Snow Lab reports the storm over the weekend blanketed the region in heavy snow and soaked much of California with rain. The storm bringing three to four feet of fresh snow to the area. A great start to the snowy season after three years of drought. With the snowpack now at seven inches of average snow water equivalent. In Southern California, the story was rain, with some areas seeing seven inches of rain over two days, leading to concerns about additional landslides like this one in Palos Verdes Estates. After this storm passes comes a new concern, extreme cold from a polar vortex. But one of the biggest legacies of this system, even after it departs, may be the bitterly cold air that's settling across the United States in its wake. Now, unlike some storm systems, the cold air is actually going to deepen as time goes by. As we move into the weekend and next week, we're going to see the coldest air yet behind this system with temperatures broadly below zero across the northern plains and the upper Midwest and really bitterly cold conditions extending all the way from the northern Rockies into the northeast. But the good news about this polar vortex, it isn't plunging as far south, sparing states like California, the desert southwest, or the Gulf Coast from that bitter cold. But for those in the middle of it, the snow and cold could prove challenging. It's going to be very limited opportunities for recovery for livestock that are going to be battered by this storm system with heavy snow, freezing rain, and high winds. Now, the main cause of this bitter cold coming behind the system is the fact that we have a very impressive blocking high pressure system that is parked over northeastern Canada, eastward through Greenland. And this time of year, cold air tends to build up across the far north where there's very little daylight. The cold air just builds, the earth radiates all the time. And so the cold air builds every year, but this time it has nowhere to go in a typical winter it would move more to the east or the southeast. This time it's plunging southward into the United States with that blocking high over in eastern Canada and Greenland, keeping that cold air from moving eastward across the North Atlantic. And we continue our team coverage of this massive system that's also bringing severe weather to the south. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver joins us with the latest on that and a look at a new root zone moisture map. Well, let's take a quick look at our root zone. You can see out in the center part of the country, extremely dry at this point. 
We're hoping that with the storm pushing through the middle part of the country, we can dent into that some. We do have a severe weather outbreak expected tomorrow along that cold front, which pushes through Tuesday and then into Wednesday. But a severe chance for an outbreak is not out of the question over the next couple days. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And here we go over in Greenwich, New York, Yields in the Fields. Well, you know what? We have a terrific shot that's yielding a whole lot of holiday cheer. It was shared with us by Pete Niles. Pete lives in Greenwich, New York. Love that full moon with the tree, Olaf, and the dog. I'll have more coming up with your full forecast. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill are facing a looming government shutdown Friday if they fail to pass a stopgap funding measure. They have until then to reach a deal on a full year spending bill or pass a short-term measure delaying the deadline and avoiding a partial government shutdown. To reach a longer-term deal, agreement on the biggest hurdle is needed, the political split over $26 billion in non-defense spending, an omnibus spending bill to help the nation's rice industry may also be considered. An aid program of over $300 million is being discussed for rice growers who have faced surging input costs, especially fertilizer, while not experiencing the relatively high prices received by other growers, like corn and soybeans. Another industry facing challenges, Florida's orange producers. U.S. officials say the state's orange production is forecast to be down 36% from earlier estimates. That's partially due to two hurricanes battering key growing regions. USDA predicts about 20 million boxes are expected to be produced this season in the state. That's a drop from 28 million in the agency's October estimates. If it's realized, it's the smallest orange crop since the 1937-1938 season when 19.1 million boxes was produced. The most recent numbers also show a drop of 56% compared with last season. Now, other citrus are also forecast to be down. Officials say the reductions will drive up prices for orange juice and other products while increasing foreign imports. Meanwhile, a larger cotton crop is now forecast, higher than many analysts predicted, with total production at 14.2 million bales. That's 2% higher than last month's forecast, but that's still 19% below last year's crop. The increase in production coming from a 13 pound per acre and average boost in yields now predicted to be 868 pounds to the acre. That's up 49 pounds from last year. Portland, Oregon is working to become the first city in the nation to phase out petroleum diesel. OregonLive.com reporting on this. It says the Portland City Council, in a unanimous decision, voted to approve an order that petroleum diesel sold in the city must be blended with renewable fuels in increasingly higher increments. This would start in 2024 and would continue until 99% of the petroleum diesel is phased out. The goal is a phase-out deadline in 2030. Now, city officials say it would reduce emissions and help cut back on soot, which they say can cause asthma attacks, respiratory disease, and cancer. Livestock breeders may be interested in this. Someone stole 60 units of bull semen from a German farm. Now police are asking for help in cracking the case. This happened a few days ago at a farm in the town of Olfen. That's northeast of Cologne. Authorities say roughly 60 containers of semen were stolen from the farm. The reports have not clarified whether it was 60 containers with multiple straws or if it was 60 straws. Of course, the product was meant for artificial insemination and needs to be kept in liquid nitrogen. 
Authorities are asking the public for help in hopes of recovering it. It's still unclear how and why the semen was stolen. Soybean futures take a breath on Monday, but how long can we expect strength in the cash market? We'll discuss that next. And later, hear from one of South Dakota's last World War II veterans right before his passing. We share stories from the war today in the country. Thinking about selling some of the crop you have in the bin, Ag Day's Michelle Rook talks over some selling prospects with Chip Mellinger. Joining us this morning with markets is Chip Mellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. Of course, we have a lot of this harvest that's been put in the bin, but a lot of producers wondering, you know, how long is this cash market going to stay strong and when should they be making some sales? Yeah, boy, that's uh, that's been, uh, you know, uh, the big question. We've thrown a little bit of a monkey wrench in that with this weakness uh, here the last few trading sessions uh, in the corn market. So, you know, I think part of that is we're still tight. I think the fear is the export situation is gonna slow down a little bit. Uh, and that's been some of the pressure in the futures market. But as we've pressured futures, I think that just puts a little more fire uh, on the basis side in corn. So, you know, coming into the holidays and just after the new year, I think we've got a window here of two to three months at a minimum that cash corn basis is still gonna be very, very strong, especially if the futures can't do much to the upside. So I'm very uh, bullish, I guess, on cash corn basis all the way through January, February. Beyond that, and that's gonna be the big issue for bean basis as well, bean basis should be very strong, but beyond that February timeframe is gonna be dependent upon how big of a crop South America raises, that's still kind of uh, waiting in the wings and they've got a lot of weather to get through from that aspect. But we have a lot of strong domestic demand for not only crush, but feed and whatnot here. So, you know, that should keep a bit under this market, don't you think? Absolutely. Still very tight stocks, um, you know, any way you cut it. Yes, maybe demand has slowed down a little bit on the export side on corn, but uh, domestically very, very strong. On top of that, uh, and especially in the case of corn, the issue is we've got the corn not where it needs to be. You know, the, okay. the short crop in the western Corn Belt and the Southern Plains, really, uh, they, you need to get this crop, the big crop, out of the Eastern Corn Belt over into the feedlot situation. So that adds even more um, fuel to the basis push in here. And I think that keeps it very tight. I think eventually what will happen is, um, and this is down the road, we'll get the, the corn moved from the east to the west. But in the interim, to kind of bridge that gap, I would not be shocked if sometime late spring early summer we don't end up importing some corn out of brazil into the oh. east coast for the poultry and, and hog people something to keep an eye on good advice thanks so much tip nellinger blue repacker marketing more ag day coming up farming has changed markets are riskier than ever for customized focused commodity marketing contact chip nellinger or adam dreyer at 309-550-7213 Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Meteorologist Chuck Keever joining us here, taking a look at our national forecast. We've really been tracking this storm and kind of the impacts of that over the next few days. Yeah, that storm is moving across the country. It's going to not only bring severe weather to the south, but on the backside, we got Arctic air on the way.
Yeah, the Arctic air up in Canada is scheduled to migrate its way down into the United States as the week moves along next week. This is the storm that's pushing across the country now, and with that, we'll get a chance for some severe weather down to the south. But on the back side of that storm, this is that cold air that's ushering into the United States, and that's going to change things up big time, especially for the eastern half of the country. There we have the exceptional drought conditions still in the center part of the country and out in the Valley of California. Hopefully that storm that just passed through put a little bit of a dent in that. Here's future radar Tuesday 7 a.m. You can see the storm slowly working their way east. This is heavy rain here. These are severe thunderstorms down to the south, especially in Louisiana and surrounding states that slowly works its way to the east. But with that, we have a chance for severe weather down throughout the south and the center part of the Gulf Coast there. So take your eye on that and make sure you keep your eye on that throughout the daytime today. Here's the precipitation forecast for the next 10 days. You can see a lot of rain down in the southeast in association primarily with that storm, but we're going to lay a lot of moisture down over the eastern half of the United States. The high temperature in Chicago today, 42, warmer down in Texas, high 75. And then tonight, where temperatures will go back down to St. Louis, 29 degrees. That cold air slowly working its way to the east. And then St. Louis rebounds to 59, it looks like there. Here's a look at your local forecast. Pittsburgh, PA, mostly sunny, high 42, low 24. Rutland, Vermont, high 31, low 16 and Natchitoches, Louisiana. Potential severe storms, high 72, low 54. Dairy producers may want to know about some new deadlines for margin insurance. We'll have those details next. And later, we lost another member of the greatest generation and a veteran from World War II. His story in the country. And this is the last week to get signed up for the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. One lucky winner will be drawn each day next Monday through Friday. We'll announce those winners right here on Ag Day. They'll receive a Case IH prize pack. Then the grand prize winner will be announced on U.S. Farm Report on Christmas Eve. They'll win a Farmall C pedal tractor. To enter, head to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Dairy producers now have more time to consider enrolling in either the dairy margin coverage or supplemental DMC for this coming production year. Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau says the deadline has been extended to January 31st. Now it is a voluntary risk management program that offers protection to dairy producers when the difference between the all milk price and the average feed price, the margin, falls below a certain dollar amount selected by the producer. Supplemental DMC coverage is applicable to calendar years 2021, 2022, and 2023. Eligible dairy operations with less than 5 million pounds of established production history may enroll in supplemental pounds. Last year, nearly 18,000 operations that enrolled in DMC received margin payments for August and September, totaling $76 million. They were able to purchase that coverage for 15 cents per hundredweight on their milk. More information is available at your local FSA service center or online at fsa.usda.gov. And the dairy industry will be the focus later this week as the Milk Business Conference gets underway. The conference starting tomorrow in Las Vegas at the Paris Las Vegas Hotel and Casino. 
The keynote speaker will be Alex Weber of American Ninja Warrior fame, which fits in perfectly with this year's theme, Bold Directions. Now, Farm Journal's Stein Morgan will be there, so look for reports from the conference later this week on Ag Day. Up next, we hear from the greatest generation, and the South Dakota veteran shares stories from the front lines in the country. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov conservation. World War II veterans in the Dakotas has passed away. John Wells of Lemon, South Dakota died last month. Now, Wells fought at Iwo Jima as part of the United States Pacific Campaign against Japan. Shortly before his passing, he sat down with Jody Kurzman of Ag Day affiliate KFYR to share his memories of the war. Happy birthday, John. This is a birthday John Wells won't soon forget. Members of the Lemon VFW and students from the elementary school <laughs> stopped by with birthday wishes. John's daughter Lori captured it all on her cell phone. They're celebrating John's 100th birthday 80 years ago. His birthday celebration looked a lot different. I took the oath of office on my birthday, the 3rd of October. That's the day he enlisted in the Marines. I was 20. In February 1945, his Marine unit landed on Iwo Jima. That night with the Japanese and the Navy were having a battle out. So we got to sit there and watch the big fireworks. It's about 12 miles away. You couldn't see them, but you could, when the guns went off, you could see the flash of it, you know. Memories of Iwo Jima are still fresh in his mind. Blood was running out of my nose and out of my ear. And I looked around here, he was standing up and a shrapnel must have caught him on the throat and the blood was just shooting out of him. And I can remember the last thing he said was, Oh, my God, you know, and that still sticks with me a long time ago. I don't know why, but I guess I was lucky all the way. You came back. Yep, I came back. And my brothers came back. I think the man upstairs watching me. He had to be. All these years later, John's service is not forgotten. On his 100th birthday, he was honored with proclamations from the city of Lemon and from the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. John's not sure he's deserving of all the fuss. Oh, I don't think so. Not really. <laughs> you don't think so? No. Just one of those things that happen. If I had to do it over again, I would... I got no regrets. His modest and quiet nature make John Wells a humble hero, someone deserving of honor and recognition. 
no matter how many years have passed. In Lemon, South Dakota, I'm Jody Kurzman reporting for your news leader. I want to thank Jody Kurzman and KFYR for sharing that story. Now, Wells was buried at the Black Hills National Cemetery near Sturgis, South Dakota, with full military honors. And that's all the time we have this morning. I'm sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Agdam, Clinton Griffiths. Have a good day.